This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It would have been wrong of us not to produce a special bonus episode looking back on the day we returned to the Football League. We will look back at the running, your memories, our memories, pundits, players and special guests. An episode that we are certain will ensure you do not stop smiling. First of all, then, let's look back at our running quickly before we welcome on our first guest in Ben Forbes. Let's take a brief look back at the two hurdles we had to overcome. The first one being a 3-2 win over Bromley, pulls racing into a 3-0 lead at the Vic, and then the major hurdle in many people's eyes in Stockport County away with Resource bagging the winner. Jack, how good does it feel making this episode? Oh, mate, it's absolutely incredible. I think this is going to be one of the best episodes we've ever had to record I think it's a massive privilege that we're able to record this and look back on such a big moment in the club's history I know we're both excited about this we're both looking forward to hearing what people have to say you know we've got Ben Forbes coming on we've got Rob Law we've got Fergie it's just going to be brilliant and we're also going to look back at what people have tweeted uh, in response to the questions we asked about that final and I think it could be emotional. It's uh, it's going to be a very special episode and one that I can't wait for us um, to be able to get stuck into. So without further ado, I spoke to Ben Forbes a little bit earlier on. So the first guest that we're delighted to welcome on is a regular now on the podcast, Ben Forbes. Ben, how are you keeping, mate? Oh, I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, really good, thanks. Brilliant to be a year on celebrating what was such a huge day for the club. We'll get right into it. And the first question, and I'll ask this question to the guests that are coming on later in the podcast. Did you feel like I did and a few fans did? after we beat Stockport or getting over the hurdle of Stockport, that it was going to be our year heading into that final? Yeah, absolutely. That 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 for me was the, the big result. Um, 
in, in a really strange year with, with COVID restrictions and having to go there with no fans. Tough place to go at the best of times anyway. To, to, to grind a result like that, we got, we got very lucky um, at some aspects of the game. Um, but at the same time, you know, the, they, they put in such a brilliant performance that I always thought it was going to be either Stockport or us that went up. I, I, that, that for me was the, the, the telling game of that playoff campaign. And, and yeah, it really gave me a lot, a lot of confidence. And you know what? We, we, not only will it be our year, but we can really do this. Yeah, um, but we'll move on to the second question, which is just about how you felt in the week building up to that final. Was the confidence? Was I assume a lot of nerves? Like, what was the general feeling yourself? I think the whole month of June was just full of nerves. To be honest, I mean, that that week wasn't necessarily any different. Mm. It was. I mean, there was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of buzz. Um, I celebrated the Stockport when. Um, you know, like everybody else did, but then come the next day, you know, the nerves were back. Um, I, I remember as well when we got the ticketing uh, details from the club, and it then all started to appear real. Like I, I joined the queue, like everyone else, to get the tickets. Um, and then on, and then on the Wednesday night, you see everyone queue up. You know, from from the ticket office all the way round to the Raglan. There was just a real sense of excitement, real sense of uh, you know this this is what the club means uh, you know to, to the people of the town and um, yeah, so it was really exciting. And then you know I remember I, I had the Friday off work. Um, I, I went down on the Friday to to visit some friends on the Friday night and the Saturday morning, and um, I, I all I could really think about was the game on Sunday and. Uh, I was very nervous throughout the whole week. I was uh, I, I was probably not as productive at work as I normally am. Yeah, I mean, that's expected. I think throughout the whole town, everyone... We're not used to that type of occasion. Um, you know, the opportunity to go and win a final, albeit at Ashton Gate, not Wembley, but we there was just... As you say, that the buzz in the queue when we were queuing up for the tickets, everyone was tweeting about it. It just captured the whole town's attention, which is one thing that I've always loved about our club. Um, you know, perhaps in recent times we haven't been as united. You know, the town, the community, the club, but it was kind of that sense as well that we had got our club back and we were all in this together. We're going to a final, and you know, just one last push. I've seen on your Twitter that you were at Millennium Square the night before um, the playoff final, as as were many others. I mean, was there even more confidence amongst the supporters there? You know, I assume you were, you didn't really sleep much like the rest of us. Um, so I mean, the, the, I think the I think the general vibe was that everyone was there for a good time. Um, like you say, it was it's not very often we get to a final like that. So. You need you need to enjoy the occasion, and yeah, you said earlier on it was a shame it wasn't at Wembley, um, of course. But in a way, in, in a strange way, actually, Bristol really fitted the mould, you know, for, for what for what it is. You, know, you had that square. If it was at if it was at Wembley, you know, would 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 we have that same sort of? Yes, we could all go to Trafalgar Square, I guess, but. Bristol just seemed to fit the mould in terms of, you know, the limited crowds and everything else. Um, but, 
yeah, in terms of that night, the first thing to mention is like I've never been so drenched in my life. Um, the rain was absolutely pouring that night, and it got to—I think it just got to the point where nobody, nobody cared. I, I certainly had a coat on the hood that I didn't bother wearing the hood, and then the coat suddenly wasn't waterproof anymore. I was like, "Yeah, fine, we'll crack on." Um, and there was a confidence, I think. You know, there was a, you know, we can really do this. And whatever happens, we're still going to be very proud of this team, what, 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 you know, what they've achieved. Because it was a turnaround, from, you know, from when, you know, Dave Chandler first came in to, to where he got us to. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think it was the case. I think it was a sense of both confidence that we can do it, but also, do you know what? We're here. It's the final. Don't do this very often. Let's enjoy it. Yeah, and you you touched on briefly earlier on about how, you know, people are queued for tickets, and we were both very fortunate to be able to be at that final. Um, I know it's something that I'm very grateful for, and I'm sure the same can be said for every single Pools fan that got there um, and managed to get to Ashton Gate. I mean, just sum up for us personally how you felt um, being one of the lucky few that got those golden tickets. Oh, ma- massively privileged. You, know, you, you uh, it was a very weird season, you know, with with no crowds and uh, and and whatnot, and you know, just just to be able to to be there to witness it, um, it, it was it was something special. Um, we haven't been to, as I said before, we haven't been to to the final, and to say that. You know those magic words of "I was there." Um, yeah, it, it it meant an awful lot. It was very, it was a very emotional weekend. I was I was really pleased that you know the the vast majority of my friendship group got got, got tickets as well, so we were all together. Um, and yeah, it was just a really really special occasion, a really special feeling, and, and yeah, I'm I'm eternally grateful um, that I was able to get get a ticket and be able to go. Yeah, so if we go on to the occasion now, you arrive at Ashton Gate, you see all those Pools fans um, outside congregating, all the singing, the pyros going off, and, it, you know, it was kind of like COVID wasn't really about. I think that was just forgotten, which was another beautiful moment for me. I, I think that in all the struggles that people had been going through with COVID, for one day we were able to forget that. I mean, seeing all the pulleys there, going into the ground, you know, the players coming out to warm up, the roar that greeted them, that must have been an incredible feeling for them, um, having had such a successful season and no supporters in. But again, just how, how was it for you? How how were you feeling? Oh, it was incredible. You know, you um, you, you said it there, but just when we walked on the on the street towards Ashton Gate and you see, I think if I remember rightly, that there was like a park or something mm. And people, people were coming out of all sorts of places, you know, all sorts of different parts and different directions, and they all congregated outside, uh, outside a corner shop on on one of the streets by Ashton Gate. Um, can't remember what it was called, but it, like you say, it was a, a weird season where everyone was locked in and couldn't go to to, to watch pools, and we it was almost like that sense of relief that, you know, what we can finally all but get together. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it was 
it was very special and it certainly made me realize do you know what i i really need to appreciate this sort of stuff more often when it does happen mm. um and yeah it was just a very special moment because all, all of the you know all the fans singing the songs the pyros the um you know the the drum being there and the northwest corner being there and um just all of my mates you know the southeast police came out in force um it was just fantastic to see everyone for one and yeah have a just build that atmosphere get that electric buzz going um and then continue that into the ground i remember when we walked into the ground um there was like a really sort of underneath the stand where we were in, there was, there was quite this open space mm. um, where all the bars were and stuff. And again, everyone just started singing in there and that place just, just echoed. And it was, yeah, that, that, that was really sort of loud and, uh, you know, got the hair on back, sort of standing up and everything else. And, and then you go to the ground, you, you get up into the stands. And I just remember watching the first one and I was looking around and, you know, you just think, this is it, this is... Yeah, this, I, I just thought this is the day of destiny, so to speak, because I was there in, I was at Acton Gate in 2003 where, where Bristol City did us over in the last two minutes, um, which, which actually broke me into pieces. Um, I was there in Cardiff in 2000 and 2005. Um, sorry, 2004 was in Gate, 2005 with Cardiff, sorry. And, um, you know, we'd been there, robbed of our place in the championship, and this kind of just thought to me, do you know what, this is the day of destiny here, this is where we are going to go back to where we belong in that football league. Yeah, and we're going to the 90 minutes now, and just talk me through the roller coaster of emotions that every Pools fan went through. Um, you know, it, as you say, before the game, there was such an outpouring of emotion that everyone was together once again, we're all there to back the lads, and that was special, but I mean, I, I had four heart rate warnings on the watch um, throughout the game. I felt dizzy. I'd sit down, you know. It was it was all of that encapsulated in one 90 minutes, and, and it was a roller coaster. I mean, I don't know how you felt, but I'm pretty sure it'll have been similar. I, I say it to our mates so often that playoff football is the best football you will ever see if you are a neutral. Mm-hmm. If you are part of it, it is torturous. Mm. And I think that game just summed up just how torturous it can be because, like you say, you've got the overriding emotion and all of that. The game then starts, you settle, you, you settle in, you go 1-0 up and you're thinking, brilliant. You know, the plan is, you know, the plan's working and, and, and everything else. And, he just, and the second half drags on and drags on. And, and, and I found myself clock watching, which was not a good idea because that made me feel worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got you know, got further and further and further in the second half. And, and I just remember thinking, you know, we've done this, we've done this, we've done this. And then, boom. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it was, yeah, there's, there's not many words to describe that feeling when he equalised and you just see their end going into raptures and him running towards us and it just was all a bit of a blur and I'm going to ask you a question in a moment about the fact did you think we were down 
at that point when Kovalan scored, you know, the past experiences we've had. You touched on the northwest corner earlier, and I just want to kind of put in something here. The drumming from Ollie Mole, he needs uh-huh. a shout out. You know, he, and I, I've said this to many people, all the players obviously went down on the knees, supporters practically did as well. I know I did, and I was well up, and I was thinking, have we blown this? But the noise that we made when the players came back out for extra time, I personally think spurred them on even more. Um, you know, just how did did you feel that we were out and down and out at that point? Yeah, um, I, I I thought we were I thought we were done. I I must I must confess you when the goalkeeper of all people, you know, when the goalkeeper equalises. Hmm. It's one of those fairy tale stories that, and I just I remember thinking to myself, you know, oh, the Ashton Gate curse is coming back. You know, it's 2004 all over again. Um, uh, yeah, it, it it was it was a horrible moment because, again, I thought we were there. Um, seeing that equalise, you just think, right, you have to go again. You know, the lads come out extra time you can see that they're de- some of them were dead on their feet as well mm. and you, you mentioned the Ollie, Ollie Mill there absolute deserved shout out because it, it would have been so easy to have stopped but you know kept kept going and, and the whole of the northwest corner and to be fair much much of the fans got involved as well it wasn't a, a doom and gloom um, scenario but I just I, I remember halfway through the first half of extra time I looked around and there were there were players I just you, you could tell were dead on their feet, mm. and I was just like, "Oh, this is not looking good." And and you know the, the thing is the bit that I think that saved us, and I and I, and I really believe in state here. But do you, I can't remember the guy's name. But do you remember that talkie player that went down and he was down for about a good five, yeah. six, seven minutes or yeah. something just before the penalty shootout? Yeah, um, just full, full time. I think that mentally saved us I really I, I really do because it gave the players a, a good break manager was able to get some words into them um, and then you know I think we had five minutes left before the shootout and part of me just thinks that 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 little bit just saved them I thought we were I thought we were done if I'm honest I really thought we were done it's interesting to hear that I haven't heard anyone um, say that view um, it's always good to speak to different people about how they looked at the event and it's really interesting to to hear your thoughts on that now we've gone from absolute devastation of Coraline, you know, equalising to the utter elation of that app, that thud I think will just be on repeat in my mind until the day I die I can just hear it I, every time I think about that moment you can just hear the noise, the ball hits Brad James' glove onto the crossbar and pulls it like back in the Football League. And it's kind of, it doesn't set in straight away. It, it's a numb feel. It was a numb feeling for me. It was like, we've actually done it, but I didn't quite grasp the whole thing. You caught up in the emotion. I was grabbing my dad. I was grabbing random people. I ended up running down. Everyone was just going for the pitch and running on and seeing um the players and, you know, I I remember Buster 
Um, he ran up to me. I mean, he was running everywhere, going absolutely divvy, which you'd expect off Buster. And he just, he grabbed me and he went, get in there, son, and lifted us up. And I just, I think that's when it set in that we'd actually done it and we were back in the football league. I mean, how did you feel? And did you did you end up on the pitch? Uh, I didn't end up on the pitch. I, I, I couldn't really move, to be honest. I was, I was sort of... In, in in shock and then and then sort of you know just just hugging all the people that I had around me in the stands I didn't actually make it down but I think the first thing first to say before I get to that moment is is I I just remember in the shootout thinking to myself you know this this is potluck now um, just, just you know whatever happens happens and then. We missed the first penalty, and I'm thinking, oh, God, it's starting again. You know, it starts to sound negative, but I was like, oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. And then they miss, and you're thinking, right, all square. And then we miss again, and it's just thinking, how many times is this going to happen? And then, obviously, then Danny Wright hits the bar, so the first four penalties are missed. And I just remember thinking then, like, oh, this this, this is anybody's now. Like, how... how Firstly, how many get out of jail free cards do we need? And secondly, you know what? You know, supposed to be the best two penalty takers from both clubs of best. This is a free for all, and and I just remember thinking, oh, this is this this could be a really really long penalty shootout. And uh, I think all the all the penalties were then scored after that until Matt P stepped up and. You mentioned there about you know that, that save and the thud. Um, for me, when I look back, it, that memory is just in slow motion. Um, I, I distinctively remember the sound of the ball hitting his gloves. I, I, I remember the sound of the ball hitting the bar, and then I, I then remember the roar, mm. and it's that roar of the crowd that. that Will stay with me for the rest of for the rest of my life. That because that that overwhelming feeling of elation, relief that we're out of that league, just at the end, the, the pain of the last however many years of decline has just has just disappeared in that one. If it must have been must have been half a second, I guess. But uh, I just I just remember I, I was I was I, I think I was shocked in shock for a little bit, and then I just started hugging random people and jumping up and down and everything else and uh oh what a moment it was it was something very very special and i i just remember it so well and um, um it's it's a memory that will stay rent free in my head for the rest of my life that that was just a phenomenal moment yeah i mean when you were describing it there it's hard not to get emotional you talk about oh. the decline that we've been on for so many years and all the struggles and the money that you put in to support the club and go and watch them wherever that may be like Chorley I remember away was awful places like that um that stick in your mind but then for us to be able to get back it's just like I think a mixture of relief excitement for what's to come it's just unbelievable and and this is why we love football and I remember my dad saying to me on the way back, he said, I'm just so glad that we've won because he personally would have struggled with it. But he said, knowing you, Jack, I don't know how I would have ever consoled you. 
because yeah. I know and I know that it'll have been the same for many Pools fans. I would have been shattered into a million pieces if we'd lost that final. It was it's you know you never want to see your team lose in a final, but what you've been through to get there, all the hard work, the teams you've beaten, the money you've spent, the memories that you've made all build up to that moment and then you get there and you're just so hungry for it and so wrapped up in it that it's only when you come out in the days that follow that that you really it really sinks in just what you've achieved and, and how much it really means. Even looking at all the stuff today on Twitter, people tweeting their memories and pictures and posts tweeting and it just brings it all back. And just to finish the little segment that we've done with you, Ben, finally, how did you celebrate um, the promotion back to the EFL? Uh, pretty hard, I'm not <laughs> going to lie. Um, we all, I mean, we, we all walked back towards um, Lenium Square and uh, I, I just remember walking to like the local Tesco and buying sort <laughs> I think two crates or something, and I think you know, everyone else had the same idea. Um, and yeah, it was again just uh, be, be going down to Millennium Square and, and uh, celebrating with with my mates and, and everyone else, and just having that you know that that, that celebration of you know we've done it. The, the, you know the relief was a, was was just you know wash on everyone's faces, and then. It was just made really special as well because, you know, something like this shows how powerful fans can be for a football club. But, you know, the managers, I'm sorry, the players and then the manager himself feels the need to, or wants, you know, wants to come and celebrate with, with, with the fans. And that, that for me, just shows what this football club is about. That, you know, what we, we do have, you know the most passionate fan base in, in the in the football league, mm. um, and then when the players came along, you know that was a moment of togetherness. You know they 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 were celebrating with us. Um, you know that that morning they woke up as fifth division footballers, and that night we treated them like rock stars. Mm. Um, and you know just seeing the seeing all the players on fans' shoulders and. Fans singing their songs, and I know, I know, Gav Hollerham was mm. uh, sort of uh, loving his song and everything else. But it it, it was just just unbelievable. Um, just just some really, I've got some really good pictures uh, from that night. All the all the players celebrating. Uh, Buster um, on 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 top of what I think was like a shed in, in that little thing, or like a really small shed that that cracked me up. Um, yeah, it, it was just a real, real wonderful moment of celebration and, and togetherness that, you know what, we, we really have achieved this. And um, I, I just remember, I can't remember what time I left, but it was definitely very into the early hours and they were still going. Um, and yeah, just, just one emotional ride and... Uh, what 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 a weekend! What it's absolutely the best weekend of my life by a country mile. The pressure swings back to Torquay now. Non-stop, some good penalties now after the terrible start. First four were missed. Matt Hughes, the second half substitute for Torquay. 
the pools, players and coaching staff are linked arm in arm down on the touchline. Bues against James, and he's right there! He's done it! And this place erupts! And the pool eight are back in the football! Four years! In the most cruelest ways! We thought they were down and out when the equaliser went in! The players went down on the turf! We thought all was lost! But they've done it! Hartlepool United have won the shootout! It was tipped under the crossbar by Brad James! The Pooley fans are on the pitch! The flares are going off! And they're celebrating because their town, this town, little old town of Hartlepool, is back in the Football League. So we just heard that incredible piece of commentary from when Brad James saved that penalty, which secured Pool's return to the EFL. And we're delighted to say that the man himself, Rob Law, joins us now on the podcast. I'm going to pass over to Davo, who's going to kick off the questions for us. So, Rob, in terms of preparation, what did your work consist of going into the playoff final? Was there anything different required in comparison to a normal match day? Now then, lads, thanks for having us on again. Um, well, yeah, I mean, every... This is probably like, a, sounds like a stock answer, but genuinely, genuinely is, the, is the case, which is always try and like prepare for every game as if it's you know, a cup final or a playoff final, it, you prepare for every game like it's a big one um, because you'd be doing the people who were listening a massive disservice if you didn't. Um, so I always prepare. I have the same preparation for every game um, and I try not to ever let that slip, even if like the season is is dipping out and there's not a lot left to play for, sort of like the back end of the season we've just had. Always try to keep the preparation there because I just think it's good practice more than anything else. But I'd be lying if I didn't say that I did extra over and above um, going into the, the promotion final just because you want to have everything that you could possibly need um, in terms of whether that be stats or just little little things you can throw in here and there about particular players. I always try and have at least like three bits uh, of info on every single player in the squad, um, you know, including players on the bench or players who are maybe on the fringes that might not even be involved. And um, yeah, it, it was a lot of work and you sort of like doing it, you feel the pressure because you realise with every little bit that you do, you know, if you ever needed reminding of how big it was and uh, what it would mean, it's all it's all there. Every every single bit of information you find out and every little bit of note taking you do for your prep, it, it's just it it magnifies it. And you you do you feel that pressure as the person who's going to call it and call that moment. All that being said, and I remember, um, I remember looking at the time it was like uh about pools and their their form in penalties and then fast forward to like being at the game and the game unraveling as it did i never once thought it was going to penalties and then when when obviously um 
Coverland scored the the equaliser with seconds left to go, it was like, oh, hang on a minute, mm. <laughs> we've still got a fair bit left to do here. I mean, before we do actually go into the final chat, let's just strip it back a little bit. I know I felt personally, and a few people I've spoken to as well, that Stockport was the big hurdle to overcome. And did you feel the same once we managed to win there that this really could be our year? 100%. Um, absolutely agree with that. Uh, I think me and Eddie in the car down to Stockport both sort of agreed that whoever wins that game, Stockport against Pools, probably gets promoted. Yeah. Um, that that was the feeling. So the way that game against Stockport unfolded and the way it happened, we came away from there in the car on the way back chatting about the match as as we do, thinking, okay, yeah, you know. But it, it's weird, isn't it? Because you have that thought going into the game, but then when pools come out on top of that game, then you then you look ahead and you think, oh, yeah, still still got a final to play, and you know what? But all the permutations and and what might happen. But ultimately, driving to that game to to cover the Stockport game, that was the feeling. Whoever wins this game we thought would probably get promoted. This sort of ties into the previous question, but what were your initial emotions as you made that journey down to Bristol? And how did you feel at Ashton Gate as you made your way up into the gantry? Oh, it was um, all sorts of things, to be honest. Excited, nervous. Um, I get nervous before every game, even now. Like, I've been commentating on on games, uh, you know, the occasional Middlesbrough one, obviously covering Hartlepool as well. And um, I, I still always get nervous before games. So taking into account the magnitude of that one and having the majority of my time covering Hartlepool um, was them in the National League. It sort of covered more of the decline of Hartlepool. Um, I used to edit the the match highlights and the goal highlights uh, of Brian Arundel when he was the, the the pools commentator, and then obviously went to Ivan Ash. And I remember being there the day that uh, Pools got relegated from the football league. I was presenting that day, and Ivan was commentating. And I remember uh, going out into the crowd and you know getting little vox pops from fans and their emotions I remember it being really raw I remember seeing people in tears I remember seeing people stood in the grounds for for long after you know the team had gone off the pitch and there was this just it, it felt like the for want of a better phrase it felt like the death of a football club because mm. pools had been a mainstay in the football league and what it the football club means to the town. So you have all this sort of going on in your head as well about what it means to people, how important it is. And my time covering pools, as I say, was um, sort of exclusively doing the commentary. We was in the National League, so the thought of them being so close and doing it the hard way... Um, you know, with the extra playoff games and you mentioned Stockport, some really difficult games in there as well. Uh, it, it was just, yeah, felt honoured as well, to be honest, I think is, is what I'm trying to say in a long, 
roundabout ways felt honored to be the person behind the microphone calling it for uh, so many people who given the restrictions and everything that we'd had and the reduced capacity at Ashton Gate I was well aware of the amount of people who were listening at ho- at home or mm-hmm. you know listening with friends and with family um who couldn't be there who wanted to be there and privilege the fact that we were able to be there and to to call that moment for those people and for those fans who who weren't lucky enough to get the tickets well, I think as you mentioned there you know there was such a me and Dav obviously got tickets and were were fortunate enough to be there there was such a sense of just with everything that was going on in the world, the fact that we were able to be there supporting our club um, mm. in such a massive moment. And as you say, so many people missed out on tickets. Um, it's yeah. something that's been mentioned in this podcast and mentioned in numerous, numerous other avenues. But, you know, that was such a big part of it, as well as the whole playoff final. It was kind of another added element uh, to the whole thing. And I guess a more general question now, but what can you remember of the game the emotions you were feeling throughout the 90 minutes and I guess when Kovalan equalised did you think we'd blown our chance I mean how difficult was it to keep everything in check whilst on the comment <laughs> uh, it, it was um, just going back to one of Davo's questions that I didn't answer and I, w- I wanted to throw this bit in because it was quite funny you know when you asked about what it felt like when you got into the stadium got into the gantry um, we were actually late getting into the ground I don't think anybody knows this but um we had a nightmare getting into the stadium because it was a national league and it was uh it was nationals it was very national league the way it was organized you know what i mean uh, i think pulleys will understand what i mean by that but um so it took us forever to get in and i think we got into the gantry and into our seats and dialed in and connected and everything rigged up with about 10 minutes before we were due to go on air. So already we were like, or I personally was a bit flustered because you're getting into your seat, you get rigged up, everything connected the way it's supposed to be. And then you straight into getting the team news. There's no sort of taking a, a breath to look around and take in the moment and sort of get your senses about you. It was a baptism of fire as soon as we got to Ashton Gate. Um, so that, that was... It, it kind of started as as the game went, as it went on, if you know what I mean. Mm. That was the start of what was just an insane afternoon. And I remember when, when obviously, Luke Armstrong scored and I thought, they're going to go and do this. this. This is it now. And obviously, we had all the goals that were chalked off in the first half. Mm. I think there was like two, wasn't there? Two yeah. or three, maybe, that were chalked off in the first half. And then we got to half time, and uh, we went to a, like an audio package uh, in the mid- in half time. So that on air that gives us me myself, um, Eddie Kyle and, and Paul Addison. It gives us a chance to just collect our thoughts and have a bit of a breather. And I remember us three looking at each other and thinking, "They're in, they're in here. They're, they're in with a shout. This this could actually happen." Mm. And then the second half. Remembering commentary, I turned to Eddie Kyle because it was just wave after wave of talky attack. So I don't know what it felt for you boys in the stands, but I remember turning to Eddie and saying, these minutes just feel like they're turning into hours. Mm. This feels, this second half feels like it's been going on forever and time is going so slowly. 
and and Eddie made the point of going. That's you know that's that's what happens in the in these kind of games when you when you take the lead and and then you you uh, you have to defend it effectively. And then when Kovland scored, the first thing that came to my mind was it was actually maybe just before they scored. And I remember thinking, going back to all the prep you do and and looking back at Hartlepool's previous. Um, playoff finals and I just thought straight away Sheffield Wednesday mm. 2005 it's happening again mm. and I thought I can't believe this is happening again they were so close and I think after full time I handed back to Paul and Paul sort of filled for a couple of minutes and while Paul was talking I texted my wife and we had an 11 month old at home at the time <laughs> And it was Father's Day, and uh, she had texted me uh, just after full time, saying, "I can't believe it." And I texted her and said, "I think they've, I think they've gone, mm. and they've blown it. It's gone." Because all the players, and you guys will attest to this as well, and anybody who was there and, and watched it, they were on the knees. Yeah, everybody was down on the pitch. They were they looked they looked beaten. They looked. I remember looking around the pitch and looking at the players and thinking. How the hell do you pick yourself up after that? You were minutes away from that thing that you've been trying to do all season long. And it's been snatched out of your hands after defending the entire second half for the most part. It's gone like that. And uh, I thought it was gone. 100% I thought it was gone. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't. I think a few of us, and like Davo was near us. Um, There was a few of my other mates a bit up and... I know that when when they scored, I literally sank to my knees. I pulled the cap over my eyes. I, I started yeah. to well up. I thought, you know, we've actually we've come so close to what we want so much. Um, and you know, I literally, I think Davo came up to me and I says, I think we're out here. I says, I really can't see us pulling back. But the way that we managed to rally round it and dig so deep, and I think a key point was when the players came out when the fans obviously got over that initial like they've equalized we realized that we've got another you know we've got extra time and we've really got to get behind the boys because they're feeling it out there and I, I remember and I can remember it as if it was yesterday that the fans roared the players out when they came back on and I yeah. think that probably did help to keep them going throughout that extra time period because honestly I thought I think I think we've blown it yeah like I remember Eddie said um and I mean, Eddie's, I love, hands down, I love working with Eddie Kyle. He's a, a brilliant summariser. I think he's massively underrated just in the world of broadcasting, let alone anything else. But the entire afternoon, no matter what happened, even when they equalised and it went into extra time, Eddie was just like this beacon of calm mm. and this beacon of confidence. And he sort of whispered in my ear before, uh, the second half of extra time started, and he just said, "Calm the nerves now, you know. They're set and they're, they're ready. They know what the task is now." And in in my head, I was still thinking, "Oh, Eddie, mm. <laughs> I don't know where you get this confidence from, but they've gone. They've absolutely gone." And he was right. And it felt like the longer extra time went on, the more that shock that you mentioned you know, sort seemed to have, they absorbed it and mm. the fans getting behind them. It, it, it felt like they were getting that second wind and were finding the, the legs underneath them again. Mm. Um, 
so yeah, it was it was incredible, man. Just sat here now thinking back about it, and and I do from time to time, like throughout the season, or um, you know, when somebody mentions it and we talk about it like we are today. And the fact that we haven't even mentioned the fact that the first first four penalties were missed as well. Mm-hmm. The first four were, were missed. You know, it's just like you can't make that up. If that was in a if that was in a, a movie script or in a, in a I don't know, like um, anybody who remembers Dream Team that was on Sky, the reality TV football program. Like if that was on there, you'd go, "There's no way. There's mm-hmm. no way that would ever happen." But it did. <laughs> And for once, Pools came out on the right side of it, thankfully. Well, I'm not being funny, Rob. I mean, I felt sick from the moment I stepped on Paris <laughs> Road at half past five in the morning waiting for the bus. So after Kovalan scores, it's fair to say, you know, my emotions were indescribable. However, moving on to the next question, just talk through those penalties. And what was it like for you watching the boys going to and from that spot? Um, yeah, nervous, nervous. I mean, I, after full time, like you say there, you know, feeling sick to your stomach. After, after full, oh no, after extra time, I remember just, again, handing back to Paul and he was sort of rounding it up, summarising to hand back them for penalties. And I remember thinking my head's battered here. Like I had a splitting headache because it was just, it was just, an insane game of football and we had every twist and every turn and you, you're living and you're, you're breathing that with the fans, with the players and you're trying to also like describe and, and paint the best picture you possibly can for the people who are listening back home. You're trying to convey that the best way you can. So you're obviously very conscious of that as well. And it's, it, it's just, yeah, uh, really nervous and, hoping for the best with every player who picked up that ball and walked, made that walk to the spot. And as a commentator, you, you're trying to pick things out for the people listening at home, whether that's body language, whether that's people in the stand, what they're doing, you know, if people are up on their feet and they're nervously twitching and, and pacing backwards and forwards, you're trying to paint that picture so people at home can see in their mind's eye exactly what you're seeing. Um, and I think Eddie said after the first four penalties were missed, and he said, well, so far, I think this is the worst penalty shootout I've ever seen in my life. And that just, I mean, as you laugh there, it, it made us laugh in the press box. And I remember it was just like a, a slight moment of light relief, you mm. know, of, of this incredibly... Uh, precious and pressurised environment and moment and something like that which just everybody at home listening would be able to agree with and feel and you know crack a smile at regardless um it was a really nice moment but yeah when it went to sudden death it, I, I was convinced everybody who stepped up was going to miss or it'd be saved whether that be a Hartlepool player or a talkie player, mm. I just remember thinking, it's going to be this one. And then it wasn't. And I was like, okay, it's going to be this one. And it wasn't. And it's just like, I've had people say to me since then, uh, lads back at the office who were working behind the scenes, and we're lucky that we've got an incredible team behind the scenes who edit the highlights and you know put all the posts, social media posts up that you see and stuff like that. And one of them said to me, he's like, 
did you did you practice that that line did you did you have that written down as, as something about you know they're over there celebrating uh because their town this town little old town of hartlepool is promoted back to the the, the football league and i just i just remember saying almost like how could i there's no way because there's no way i would have imagined that it would have happened the way that it did and what you heard was just pure emotion um <laughs> relief joy all of those things as i mentioned earlier about having seen those seen those just year after year of the club being messed around off the field and the the you know the not being anywhere near a fight of a playoff place or promotion nowhere near it not in, not even a sniff of it and then for it to happen uh, and be as i said earlier being the one calling it was just yeah a real a absolute privilege and hands down one of the most special moments i've ever had behind a microphone well i mean a couple of things you touched on there um, you said about your splitting headache. I had four heart rate. I had four heart rate warnings on my tour. Um, at one stage, I think it was just after extra time finished, the ground started to actually move, so I had to sit down because I was that. And I think it's just how emotionally invested you get in it. And then yeah. I know you touched earlier about you know it being Father's Day and stuff. I will never ever ever forget the moment of. Brad James tipping it onto the bar. I mean, every single penalty I was holding on to me dad as tight as I could. And then for, <laughs> for James to save that, I think it was just so special for everyone who was there. And for me to be able to be there with dad, who's taken me to pools for years now and grab yeah. hold of him as tight as possible and just realise that for once, little old Hartlepool have got the moment and we're back where like we belong. It was just absolutely incredible and money can't buy experience type thing. Um, yeah. So obviously Brad James saves that penalty on the bar, pulls back in the FL, sum up just how special it was to be there and to have played such a pivotal role. I know you've said you were felt really privileged and honoured to be providing the comms. I mean, another thing you said, you followed pulls in some of arguably the worst times at the club. I mean, how special was it to be on the winning side and, and how did you celebrate? Um, I Similar to what you said, I, you know, I really struggled genuinely to put it into words. Um about how special it was to be there with the, the people who, um, not to, not trying to make this <laughs> about me in any way, shape, or form. I promise, because I'm not that way inclined. But um, I think I was there with our sports editor Paul Addison, who, if he hadn't of given me. Um, like an opportunity at tease mm. and he was the one who really pushed to give me an opportunity at tease on air and even before I'd even got my foot through the door he was the one who initially agreed for me to go in at tease and to to help out and make the tea and all those sorts of things initially um I'd probably be uh a, a bricklayer right now or something and that's I'm not saying that in a derogatory derogatory way to bricklayers but that's genuinely probably what I was going to go and do um because uh, I, I wasn't very good at school and uh, I didn't have the grades really to do what I you know to, to to progress um so he really took a punt on me so to be there with him in the press box and and broadcast alongside him was special to be there alongside Eddie Kyle who from 
the first ever game that I covered, which was a pools game, the first ever game I commentated on was was a Hartlepool game. And I remember him saying to me from pretty much day one, this is what you should be doing. This is what you should be doing. You know, and he, again, another person who really believed in me. So to be able to be in that press box alongside both of those people who have had massive influence on my career personally and to be covering a team who, again, like I touched on earlier, a team that um, had been through it and I had been along there for the ride while it had been happening and knowing what it means to the fans because we speak to them every week on the radio station uh, as part of our fans panel and to be that person behind the mic calling those moments because I know how rare they are, you know, having grown up uh, and worked in the industry when Brian Arundel was doing the commentary and Ivan Ash was doing the commentary and how nine, nine times out of 10, I was there editing the highlights of and goals of games about pools being on the wrong end of defeats when it was an important game. All of that was really uh, vivid and at the forefront of my mind um, from a personal perspective, but more and above all of that was just what I knew that it meant to the town and what I knew that it would do for the football club, for its supporters, and the excitement of looking into, obviously, what would follow as the return of the Football League. On a, this has been like pretty heavy stuff. So on a lighter note, um, there was a really funny moment when the, there's a guy from the National League, I won't name him, but there's a guy from the National League who said to us right at the start, he pulled uh, me as the Hartlepool commentator and he pulled the Torquay commentator up. Uh, this is before a ball was kicked. And he said, right, lads, just so you know, um, no matter what happens, the final whistle goes, I'm going to need you down pit side within about two minutes of the final whistle going. And I remember thinking, what? That's just, that's bizarre because it's like, it's going to take you more than two minutes to get down there anyway. Um, and I said, well, obviously, we'll, depending on how it ends, we'll have to summarise, you know, what's happened put it into context and then we hand back to our presenter, which was Paul. And then I would make my way down pitch side to do the interviews. And he went, yeah, you know, I'll be tapping you on your shoulder the second that final whistle is blown. So I'd totally forgotten about this given the <laughs> chaos of the game. Right. So Brad James saves from Matt Buse, pandemonium. Everybody's going off on one. It's amazing. You're trying to describe and convey this, incredibly rare special moment to people at home and I kid you not from about five seconds after Brad James tips it onto the crossbar I have this guy <laughs> tapping me on the shoulder as I'm still talking and he's going he's giving me like the wrap-up symbol like we need to get downstairs we need to wrap up so I'm like waving him away while I'm still <laughs> going ballistic on the microphone and uh and yeah, uh, I, 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 yeah, I had to wave him off, um, and he he just he persisted and persisted uh, to the point where I had to hand it back really fairly swiftly, and then get up and go down to pitch side to uh, to do the post match interviews, which he then completely abandoned us for. So we just went on the pitch and interviewed the players rather than wait for him to pull his finger out. But there we are. <laughs>
Well, Robbie, it was, it was just chaos to the end. You know, it was going to be chaos, wasn't it? So, well, exactly. And Rob, it's been absolutely fantastic as ever, Tavia. Brilliant insight and to hear how it was for you in the build-up throughout that and then in, onto the game before and after and the stories that you have. It's just such a special um, time in Pool's history and it's been fantastic you've been able to come onto this uh, episode where I've been able to look back a year ahead um, on what was such a, a big day for the club. So thank you very much once again for, for joining me in Davo. No, thanks again, lads, for having us. Always appreciate it. And let's, uh, let's hope that... Uh, we have more good times than uh, than bad, and perhaps uh, another another playoff push next season. Let's hope so. Well, what better way to conclude part one of the day we returned a year on, speaking to the one and only Mister Rob Law? Fantastic to get his insight as ever. But this is just starting. Part two is coming to you very shortly. We've got a very, very special guest lined up. You will not want to miss it. I can assure you of that. We're going to take a look at your memories, what you've tweeted to us at HFC Chat. We're going to discuss our personal memories as well. So there's plenty to come in part two of the day we returned a year on, and I'm sure we will see you in that episode. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.